Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Fantastic. We are going to continue, as Kath mentioned earlier, our series that we are in called Essentials. Everyone say Essentials. And uh, we're at week three. Week one, I just did an introduction talking about the goal of our faith. And it's really the crux of this whole message. And that is to make Christ the goal of our faith and get to know Him better. If you don't know God, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Saviour, the good news is you can. And if you do know Him as your personal Lord and Saviour, the good news is you can know Him better. This is a journey we are on and no one has arrived. We all have a, a, a next step to take. And so at the heart of this series is that we want to make Christ the goal of our faith. And to do that, we are looking at some of the essentials, some of the disciplines that deliver. If you want anything good in life, there are some disciplines attached to that. If you want a great physique, there are some disciplines attached to that. There are some things you've got to do and there's some things you've got to stop doing. There are things you've got to eat and there are some things you've got to stop eating. They're called disciplines. In order to deliver a great physique, there are some disciplines and our spiritual walk is no exception. In order for us to know Christ better, there are some disciplines. And we started with week one, or sorry, week two with uh, Ashley, and we looked at the Bible. The Bible is the primary way in which God speaks to us. There are many ways in which God can speak, but the primary foundational way is the Word of God. And if anyone says God has spoken to them, Paul says it this way, he says, even if an angel from heaven were to come down and say God said something that was contrary to His Word, let that angelic being be eternally condemned. The primary way in which God speaks to us, first and foremost, is the Word of God. And Ash did a great job of unpacking that last week. And you can get that on our podcast or our website free of charge to download for you to listen to again and again and again, or hand it to your friends for them to listen to would be really beneficial. Which brings us to week three of our essential series. And we're going to be looking at prayer and fasting. As we come into a time of prayer and fasting, I thought it'd be good for us to uh, speak about the subject again. Jesus taught on both prayer and fasting. In actual fact, I don't believe it's possible to fast without praying. And that's why Jesus talked about them uh, simultaneously. They go hand in hand. Praying and fasting go together. They are a powerful combination, much like uh, when you watch a boxing match or you may see some of the MMA fighting. Some of you may not be into that, but some of you may be. But you'll notice that uh, to get one jab in on a, an opponent can startle them. But if you can follow it up with a combination of punches, you can actually knock your opponent off their feet and go on to win the battle, which is the purpose of boxing. And I want you to know this church, at the heart of this prayer and fasting, you need to understand that we do have an enemy. If you wondered why your life still has adversity, if you're wondering why your life still has moments that are very, very difficult, it's because we live in a world that has an enemy. And so if you came to Jesus thinking your life would be blissful and no problems, uh, you were sadly mistaken. 
You bought into something that is not New Testament Christianity. We have an enemy. And one of the greatest strategies of the enemy is to convince the world that he does not exist so that we don't take the fight where it really is. When we embrace uh, prayer and fasting, we are taking the battle up to where it really is. And so I want to read from Matthew chapter 6. These are Jesus' words. Matthew chapter 6, verse 5 say this. And when you pray... This is Jesus speaking. Do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. And then your Father who sees what is done in secret, He will reward you. This is Jesus talking specifically about prayer to His disciples. And then he goes on to say in the very same chapter, having just finished talking about prayer, he talks about fasting. He says this, verse 16, When you fast, do not look so sombre as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others that they are fasting. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that you will, it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting but only to your Father who is unseen and your Father who sees what is done in secret, He will reward you. There's a few things, three things in actual fact that I want to highlight today based upon what Jesus is saying in these two portions of Scripture today. And the first one is simply this. Number one, Jesus expects us to pray and fast. Everyone say expects. There is an expectation that comes with being a follower of Christ. This is not an optional extra. These are essential. You know, an optional extra is that item that you can choose. For example, you may be buying a new car and uh, can you imagine saying, um, I, I, I don't want wheels. Can you just imagine for a moment, say, no, no, buddy, the wheels come with the car. You need wheels. If you don't have wheels, you don't have a car. You need wheels. Uh, okay, then, well, I won't have a steering wheel. No, 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 dude. Um, you need a steering wheel. These are not optional extras. Optional extras are things like a sunroof, seat warmers. Those things you don't have to have, they are not essential. Who's learned to drive a car without seat warmers? I mean, let's be honest, you can live without seat warmers. You can't live without wheels and you can't live without a steering wheel. Much like our walk with Christ, you cannot be a New Testament follower of Christ and have prayer as an optional extra. Imagine standing before Jesus just before you give your life. Say, Jesus, I'd love to follow you, but I, I, I don't want to do it with prayer. And uh, I don't want to, uh, I don't want to fast and I, I don't want to read my Bible. And uh, if I could have some Christianity minus the persecution, that would be awesome. And uh, Christianity minus any hardship. Um, but if I could have plenty of blessing and favour, that would be awesome. I want to say that version of Christianity does not exist in the Bible. Just like it's impossible to drive a car without wheels, it's impossible to follow Christ without these essentials such as prayer and fasting. Jesus expected us as followers of Him to pray and to fast. He made it clear that prayer and fasting is meant to be a normal part of Christian life. They are essential to our faith. 
We see that right throughout the Scriptures. Moses received the Ten Commandments as a result of prayer and fasting. It wasn't like a two minute thing where he just got up there and wrote whatever he wanted. No, he waited and he prayed and he fasted and he waited and he prayed and he fasted for 40 days. And he came back with what we know as the Ten Commandments. Daniel received incredible revelation as a result of prayer and fasting. Nehemiah received boldness and strategy through prayer and fasting. Esther, all the ladies out there, are there any women in the house this morning? Esther was that mighty woman of God used powerfully back in the day and she received incredible favour with the King through prayer and fasting. Her life was on the line. Her her nation was on the line. Uh, Her opponent was like a a, a predecessor to Adolf Hitler. He just wanted to eradicate all the Jews. and, And so she had an incredible position and she was born for such a time as that. And she had to stand up to the King and make a bold, audacious request. And she She did not do that bold, audacious request in her own strength. No, she asked, not just for herself, but she asked for all of God's people, all of the Jewish people at that time to join with her in praying and fasting. Much like we're asking not just the elders of this church to pray and fast, but we're asking all those that call Victory Church home to pray and fast for a season so that God can do incredible things through us moving forward. And she received incredible favour through the King. And as a result, we saw that her enemy was put to death and God's people found favour at that time. Peter, that incredible apostle in the New Testament received incredible vision through prayer and fasting. Paul was commissioned as an apostle to the Gentiles after prayer and fasting. And Jesus Himself fasted for 40 days in the desert and He returned home full of the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, as Kath mentioned earlier, fasting is not merely going without food for a period of time. That's called starving. And that doesn't sound like much fun to me. Uh, At best, it might be dieting. But that's not what the Bible is talking about. When the Bible talks about fasting, it's talking about abstaining from food for a spiritual purpose. Biblical fasting is connected with a spiritual purpose. In other words, fasting will remove the seed of power from your stomach, if I say stomach, to your spirit. That's what fasting will do for you and it will do for me. It removes the seat of power from our stomach to our spirit. This season is all about us dethroning King Stomach and rethroning King Jesus. Amen. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 19, Paul says that their destiny, speaking of worldly, ungodly, ungodly people, the pagans, he says their destiny is their destruction. Their God is their stomach. And their glory is in their shame. Their mind is on earthly things. We see going back to the very first human beings on the planet, this was a problem for them. God gave them free reign of any of the foods in the garden. They could eat off any vine, off any tree, off any plant, with the exception of one tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You can eat of anything. You would think that if you'd been given free range to anything other than one tree, you'd think that would be enough. Look at me, you look at me like, where's he going? No, seriously, just, just think about that for a minute. You can have anything except this one tree. And there was something about this one tree that uh, just enticed them. 
I think it was a notion that they weren't allowed to that was appealing. And, and before you judge Adam and Eve too severely, just put yourself in that scenario. Don't think for a moment that if, if, uh, if I was there, sin would not have entered the world. I wanna tell you, if you were there, you would have done exactly the same thing as Adam and Eve. And I know that because how do you respond when you see a wet paint sign? You can sit on any other bench, but there's this one bench that's just been painted and it says, do not touch. And it's, I don't know about you, there's just something in me that just wants to know if it's still wet. Because I feel like I need to do a service to the community just to, to, to find out if it's wet. And if it's not wet, I can then remove the sign and be a good citizen. You know, that's how I feel. That's how I justify it at least. And then if it is wet, how wet is it? Is it like wet, wet, like wet? Or, or is it like, oh, sticky wet? Oh, like, is it... How, and there's like a fingerprint sitting there, like, yeah, you know, is it, is it just you or is it, is it just you? Is it just you? Is it just me? Is it just you? Come on, let's not think for a moment. I want to tell you that tree was like a do not touch wet paint sign to them. And if you were there, and honestly, if Kath and I were there, I'm telling you, I wouldn't have had one apple. I would have probably had the whole tree. There's just something. And what it was, it was in the area of food. You need anything else, but not this one. And they said, the Bible says this, that they saw that the food was good to eat. It just looks so good. There's lots of things during this fast that are going to look so good. I mean, donuts are never going to look any better than when you're in the middle of a fast. Just like, so good. You're going to have dreams about donuts. You're, you're going to hear donuts talking to you. You walk past Tony. They just, it just seriously, you think they went, did that, did that You see the big hole going, oh, just, just talking to you. You'll be like the donut whispering, oh, we want some here. What? And, and then that's what this apple was doing. Oh, it just looks so good. It looks so good. And they're like, oh. And at that moment, the sin entered the world. They were disobedient to the command of God. And what was it over? Food. They were kicked out of the garden in which God entrusted them. They were kicked out of their home. They quite literally ate themselves out of house and home. Can you believe that? Bad joke. They did. They, they just couldn't refrain. They couldn't refrain. This season for, that we are entering into is a time where we dethrone King Stomach and we rethrone King Jesus in our life. Because if you listen to your stomach, you'll forfeit your destiny. We see this right throughout Scripture. Jacob and Esau Esau sold his birthright because he came in from hunting and he was famished. I remember as a kid growing up, I couldn't say that word. And I used to say vanished. I'd come in and say, I'm vanished. Mum would say, Mom would say no, you're not vanished. You're, you're hungry. I'd say, no, I'm vanished. I'm not hungry. My mum vanished. And, and so, but I, he was like, I'm famished. But he said it even stronger than that. He said, I'm starving to death. Yeah. How many of you have ever felt hungry enough where you feel like you're starving to death? Here's, here's what you need to know. At that moment when you feel like you're starving to death, you're not. Yeah. If you want to know what starving to death looks like, visit Africa. Yeah. Don't kid yourself for one moment during this week that you're actually starving to death. Yeah. You're not. It's your mind playing tricks on you. You're not starving to death. 
we are going without for a purpose. And this man, Esau, sold his birthright, which represented his future. He threw his future away for one lousy meal. And you know what happened as soon as he'd eaten that meal? He resented his brother. He resented his brother. Because whenever you let your stomach rule your life, you will forfeit your destiny. I know that uh, when we come to the Olympics and you see all these incredible athletes, I know uh, their diet is a big part of what they do. And what they eat and what they put into their body and how they fuel their body is a big part of whether they will win a gold medal or a silver medal. It makes a massive difference. And we see that in, in the professional world of athletes. How much more you and I as followers of Christ. The first thing we can see from this passage of Scripture today is that Jesus expects us to pray and to fast. Secondly, that praying, oh sorry, prayer and fasting leads to intimacy with God. Prayer and fastings are essential to knowing God. And that's why Jesus was so scathing of the Pharisees or the religious people of His time. And He said it this way, He said, don't do what the hypocrites do. Don't do what the religious people are doing. And then he went on to say what they do. He says, they do it to be seen and to be noticed. They parade their spirituality. This is not a season for us to get proud and say, look what we're doing. We're, we're fasting and praying. Other churches aren't doing that, but we are. That is not this season. And please don't try that on in this season. It won't go down well for you because that's the religious, hypocritical, pharisaical spirit that Jesus was addressing. See, they made it all about them. Look at me. Look how much I'm suffering. Look how spiritual I am. Look how good I am. And not only did it make them look good, but it made others look inferior. And Jesus took exception to this. Jesus didn't like the fact that they were parading themselves and their spirituality in front of others. And Jesus said, don't do it like them. He didn't say don't do it. He said, don't do it like them. Don't be pharisaical, don't be hypocritical, don't be like the religious people. That, you know, so when you're at work this week, you don't want to be saying, oh, I'm fasting. So, oh my, if you want to put someone off coming to church, if you want to put someone off knowing who God is, just tell them, I'm fasting and I'm refraining from food because there is a spiritual enemy and I just don't do that. It's, it's not going to go well. It's all true, but there's a time and there's a place. Jesus said, don't do it like the hypocrites, but do it in a way that's only obvious to your father. Because after all, isn't he the goal? Isn't he the goal? I know for myself, as we enter into this time, I'm going into this with a very clear desire to know him better. I want to thank you for honouring Kath and I on our 25th wedding anniversary. That was amazing. It was a surprise. The meeting got hijacked. Thank you. Uh, you're welcome. Um, <laughs> but Kath and I went away by ourselves for a reason. Because we didn't want you there. And, and we didn't even take our kids. You know Why? Not because we don't love them, we do. We do love our kids, but we just didn't want them there. Love you, Mitch, Geordie. I love you guys, but I didn't want you there. Because the goal of us going away was for me to spend time with Kath, to celebrate her, to enjoy her, to get to know her better. 
You know, I've been with my wife 33 years, eight of which we were dating, 25 married, and I feel like I'm just getting to know this girl. I mean, like, seriously, it's like there's a thousand personalities in there, and I just don't know which one I'm going to get. It's just like, it's just like, you know, sometimes it's Kath, but then there's the Kath version, there's Joanna Kath version, there's, there's, there's all these different, and I just, and I just, I love getting to know her. But in order to really get to know her, we have to abstain from other things and spend quality time. And so we abstain from being in Adelaide. We abstain from being on the church roster. We abstain from being mum and dad so that we could just spend time together. That's what fasting is. It's us abstaining from other things, get rid of the competing distractions, all of which are good. Food is not the enemy. Our children are not the enemy. This church is not the enemy. But there are just times and there are seasons. You can't live there. You know, you can't, I could, we couldn't just stay where we were and live there. We've got responsibilities. You know, imagine that. Just, I'm, just, I'm just here just getting to know my wife three years later. There's, that's called neglect of your family. We're not talking about these extremes. We're just talking about these seasons. And we had, what, six, whatever it was, days away. And it's an incredibly refreshing time of just enjoying each other, being intimate with each other, getting to know one another better, celebrating one another And after 25 years, that's not common. And so then I had the whole social media dilemma. I want to put it out there because um, I want to celebrate 25 years. And any of you who have been married longer, well done. Celebrate it. Let the world know. But it's also personal and it's private. And I don't want you to know what we're doing. But I want to celebrate the institution of marriage because that's not celebrated. What is celebrated so much on social media is breakups and hurt and pain and gossip and slander. And so I find this little dilemma. So I gave you a snippet into our world, but, but that's it. Because the purpose of us going away was not to parade before people, but to get to know her. And that's what this time of fasting is all about. It's about us getting to know him better. There's a Native American Indian tribe that would send their young men who had come of age from boyhood to manhood as a rite of passage, and they would send them up this really steep mountain. And uh, upon return, the chief of the tribe would always ask the young men returning, say, what did you see? And depending on their answer, the chief knew whether they reached the summit or not. Because at the top of that mountain, after all the hardship of the climb, of all the problems of, of the wilderness and, and, and possible attack, when they got to the top, if they didn't give in, they would see something they'd never seen before. And they'd come back to the chief and if they had this report, he knew they reached the top. He said, I saw great waters. I saw the ocean. And up until that point in this tribe's life, they'd never seen great waters. They'd never seen the ocean before. And I believe that's what fasting is going to be like. There there is some hardship attached to it. But at the end of it, we're going to see things that we've never seen before. Maybe the Word of God for you has become a little dry. 
Maybe the Word of God for you has become a little bit uh, repetitive or boring. I'm telling you, there's nothing like a season where you get serious with God and you abstain from food and you abstain from other things and give yourself to seeking God's face then you see things you never saw before. I'm telling you, if you will endure this seven days with us, I'm telling you, you'll go back to your Bible and you'll see things in the Word of God that you've read before, but you've never seen before because that's the nature of how God works. And there's gonna be trials that come with it. There's gonna be desires to wanna give up and to give in just like these young men climbing and, and, and confronting uh, certain things uh, on the land and just the hardship, uh, the hardness of the elements. And some did, they turned around, but they, they weren't able to report to the chief what they saw because what they saw was aborted. I'm telling you, there's some things God wants to put into your spirit over this time. There's things God wants to show you over this time, show you about yourself, show you about others, show you about your future. And if you will not give up and not give in, and don't give in because you get a headache. You know, can I just prophesy this lovingly? You probably will get a headache. We put so many toxic uh, ingredients in our body. When you uh, start withdrawing from those things, you start having withdrawals. And so headaches is part of it. You may feel a little bit fatigued. That, that's fine. It's all part of it. And when you're feeling like that, can you just remind yourself in those moments why we're doing this? We weren't doing this to feel good about ourselves. We were doing this to know Him more. And know this, that you're not the only one going through that. There'll be others. There'll be others, some of you coffee lovers out there, you stop with some coffee and oh my gosh, the headaches, I get it. But I'm telling you, there's nothing like coming through that. There's nothing like coming through it. And that's why we're gonna be spending a week praying and fasting together. So if you're feeling a little hungry, if you've got a few headaches, if you're feeling a little bit lethargic, there'll be a million reasons. Can I say, don't give up, don't give in. I know there might be a very small percentile of people in here who actually cannot embrace this fast as we would desire because of your health issues. But I'm telling you, it would be 0.0% or 0.1%. It would be a very small percent. For the rest of us, we've got to be honest with ourselves and confront ourselves with this fact. Do we, we just don't want to do it. Yeah. And to be honest, I don't want to do it. I, I, I don't want to fast I would be lying, even though I'm a pastor, to be able to stand up here and say, I love fasting. I actually don't. I really don't like it. But I tell you what I do love about fasting, the result. And that's what I hold on to. That's what I hold on to. I don't know any bodybuilder builder that's cutting up for a competition that says, oh, I love the dieting phase. No, no, no. They hate it. But at the end, there's a result. And the result is worth it. Are you with me? And so fasting and prayer is expected. Prayer and fasting is what brings intimacy with God. And thirdly, prayer and fasting will empower you. It will empower you. See, your father sees what is done in secret. And because you're doing it not for the praises of people, and you're doing it for the express, express purpose of knowing Him, He sees it, it makes Him happy, and He rewards you. See, private disciplines lead to public reward. When Jesus was in the desert, He'd been fasting for a few days, 
And the devil came to him and said, if you are the son of God, turn these stones into bread. What was the devil doing at that moment? He was trying to get Jesus to break his fast. Because the devil knows how powerful fasting is. And he was trying at that moment to get Jesus to stop fasting, start eating, just have this, have that, come on, please. But do anything but fast. And Jesus responds with these words, man does not live on bread alone, but out of every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. There's a supernatural energy that comes that food cannot give you. And I'm believing for you to have that over this particular time. If fasting is not a part of our normal life, our effectiveness will suffer. If we can have the band come up, that'd be great. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 